You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, football fans, and welcome into another Thursday episode of the Locked On NFL podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, Ryan Tracy. Today, we're joined for the majority of the show by Locked On Colts, Evan Sidery. And I got to talk to him individually about his idea of what the Colts season is going to look like, Ryan. He's very optimistic in a bounce back for Carson Wentz in the young weapons and young defenders on the Colts developing. So make sure you all stay around for the last two segments of the show when we dig into the Colts future in 2021 with Evan. But we're going to start the show with some news. And the big news on Wednesday is unfortunately the arrest of Richard Sherman. We're not going to talk too much about the details here. My personal feeling at this point is, you know, I hope he gets the help he needs. I hope that everyone involved is healthy and that things get resolved. But as the day has gone on, new information has come to light and the story has been a real moving target. So I am reluctant to comment too much on details because it's hard to know what is really true at this point. Yeah, I I can see that. And I will just say it this way. It's, It's unfortunate and a little sad for me to see what I think was a very compelling career all the way around from the Seattle days to the San Francisco days, everything in between to see it come to this. But we all know that CTE is real and that it is affecting other players. Jay Cutler came out with his current regimen to try and forego some of his CTE that he feels is coming. I will not be surprised to see that link to this. Hopefully we'll know more details. And when we do, We'll have a clearer picture, so I, I agree with you. Let's let's just say that it's an unfortunate situation all the way around. Hope that everybody gets what they need and lives up to what the expectation is if you're a citizen around these areas. That said, it's not the only sad news. And for me personally, one that really stood out this week was the passing of Alex Gibbs, the guy that really took what was an idea originally and whether you argue he – came up with the concept of the zone blocking scheme, or if he just refined it and made it into an actual uh, identifiable concept, definitely a guy that I think changed the game. Because when you look at how much the zone blocking scheme is now used in the league, I think it's proliferation with the Broncos at the time under Alex Gibbs, I think really made the turning point for it. Now you can see it on nearly every roster, uh, maybe two thirds of them that use it very consistently in this league. Yeah. You see it as a staple in the modern NFL and Alex Gibbs has certainly been called the godfather of the modern zone blocking scheme. Even if historically he may not have originated the idea, he modernized it and made it into the tool and the weapon that it is for offenses today. Shifting gears a little bit, Ryan, one rather fun note, but still looking historically and looking back into the pre 1981 pre 1982, sorry, official recording of the sack statistic pro football reference with the help of decades of research by a couple of men named John Turney and Nick Webster have gone back and added sacks from 1960 to 1981. And it really shakes up the historic sack leaderboards. You heard stories about some of these great historic seasons 
that occurred before the official sack statistic was recorded. And a few things really get shaken up. One is the all-time leaderboard that has several additions that were not included because all of their sacks came before 1982. And the other is the single season records. Both of those get shaken up a little bit with the inclusion of some of these guys that played before 1982. There are a ton of names and I really enjoy seeing this. And I understand you got to keep the list separated because you know, there's context around this, but to do the research, to go back and grab these numbers, when you hear names that a lot of people today, a lot of football fans that watch this game in the modern era, never got to see Deacon Jones. Some of them can't even remember who Mark Gastineau is. And for those of us who happen to be a little more um, weathered, let's put it, uh, seeing those names come up and be mentioned in the context that they should be with the current sack leaders, with the Michael Strahan's, with the Justin Houston's, with those kinds of players. I, I really enjoy seeing that. I'm glad they did it. Yeah, and a couple of other names, just to throw some names out for some of the people that might not know. The all-time single-season sack record, if you go back to 1978, before the sack stat became official, it's not Michael Strahan. It's not the 22 and a half sacks that he had in 2001. It would instead be Al Baker in his 1978 year with the Detroit Lions. Deacon Jones, you mentioned Deacon Jones, Ryan, had two seasons of 22 sacks in 1964 and 1968. Coy Bacon, a 1976 21 and a half sack season also up there with another Deacon Jones season by the way 21 and a half sacks in 1967 and when you look at the all-time leaders Deacon Jones shows up he wasn't on this list before would be third all-time in sacks with 173 behind only Bruce Smith and Reggie White Jack Youngblood who played a majority of his career before 1982 would come in at sixth his entire career with the Rams. So a lot of guys with a lot of achievements that now we can very easily see in a nice, neat table right where they belong with the rest of the sack leaders in NFL history. The big thing that stands out there, when you read all those names in all those seasons, Deacon Jones, 65 and a half sacks in just three seasons. That's not something that's replicatable. And and I'm glad, I'm really happy for him in particular to see this, but Playing in Los Angeles uh, for the Rams at that time will get you some notoriety. New notoriety has to be going to Indianapolis. We're going to be with Evan Sidery and go over those Colts and where they are right now. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to make all your sports action bets. Baseball season through the roof, NBA, NHL, obviously football, even UFC and MMA. Before the next contest, go to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the sporting news, the odds, the bonuses, everything you need to place your action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs at playoffs or even a brand new season. Head over to the website, use your device, and check it out today. You'll receive a 50% bonus on your deposit. That's 50% on top of what you deposit at betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts, and use the promo code Locked On. Let them know that we sent you over there. The Locked On NFL Season Preview Series continues. Today we're joined by Evan Sidery, the host of Locked On Colts. Make sure you follow Locked On Colts for all things Colts, the daily podcast on the Indianapolis Colts at Locked On Colts on Twitter. 
the podcast, of course, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Evan, how's it going tonight? Doing great, Jake. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about another team that starts with the letter C. You ever think about how many teams in the NFL have mascots that start with the letter C? Honestly, I mean, think about it like that. No, but I mean, when you think about just how many teams like have birds, have the letter C in it, very interesting how the NFL has come up with all these names and then teams. Yeah, you're our third team in a row on the Thursday show of Locked On NFL that starts with a C. We had the Chiefs, we had the Cowboys, now we have the Colts. I'll have to look ahead and see if we also have the Cardinals and the Chargers coming up. But a lot of C names today were focused on, well, another C name. Carson Wentz is certainly topic A when talking about 2021 prospects for the Indianapolis Colts. What are the early feelings going into the season? Or I guess at this point, late feelings. He's been a Colt now for a while since that trade. Is there optimism in Indianapolis for the beleaguered former Eagles signal caller? Yeah, it seems like from both sides so far, Jake, it's been rave reviews. Wentz loves the environment in Indy. It seems like just the polar opposite of what Philadelphia was, which is how overbearing sometimes the media could be on him when he had a bad game. Indianapolis is a lot more lax. It's a lot more like the Midwestern, North Dakota State type of feel for Carson Wentz, which I think he really enjoys as well. And then from the Colts side on Wentz, I mean, from his leadership ability that he showcased throughout our OTAs and from what we heard throughout the offseason so far, I actually got the whole offense together in Houston, Texas recently, where Wentz lives in the offseason for a throwing session before training camp got going. His arm talent's been on full display. Frank Reich said he has superstar talent with his arm. And you also see just the weapons around Wentz, a better offensive line, a better running game. And a lot of players have just been raving about how Wentz has picked up this offense. He obviously was with Frank Reich in his first tiers in the NFL and would have won MVP if not for tearing his ACL in the 2017 season with the way he was going. From both sides so far, Jake, it's really been a great fit. And if we do get the old version of Carson Wentz, it doesn't have to be 2017, even let's say 2019 version of Wentz. This Colts team has a chance to be really, really good. There's certainly opportunities, I think, in the AFC South with Jacksonville dealing with a rookie quarterback and first-year head coach in Urban Meyer. Of course, Houston looks like it's just going to be, well, something resembling football, I guess. By the way, yesterday's show, the Houston Texans preview, make sure you guys go check that one out. But the competition seems like it will be coming from, of course, the uh, Tennessee Titans who return a very competent looking offense and Carson Wentz in that NFC AFC South, sorry, will be going toe to toe there. What will the scheme look like for Indianapolis with Carson Wentz as quarterback instead of Phillip Rivers? Are you expecting significant changes with the reunion of quarterback with former coach? Yeah, I think it's going to be very similar, honestly, to what we saw with Frank Reich and Carson Wentz in 2017. Probably the most similar from the Colts' perspective to the 2018 offense with Andrew Luck behind center because Jacoby Brissett was thrust in action in a very limited playbook, very run-heavy. The Colts did not trust Brissett to really run much of their offense, and it showed with him being very apprehensive to take shots down the field. That's why they went to Phillip Rivers, a more aggressive quarterback. Obviously, the relationship with Frank Reich as well. But Rivers' arm talent obviously was at a way different point than what it was about five, six years ago when he worked with Frank Reich. A lot of check downs, a lot of easy looks for Rivers. He was one of the top guys in completion percentages past year, but not really a lot of aggressive shots down the field. I think Wentz, with his mobility, with his arm strength, is going to bring back a lot of 
Andrew Luck type of qualities to this offense. Wentz is not on the level of Andrew Luck, but I mean, he could probably be a top 10, top 12 quarterback in the league this year if he just plays smart football, lets the offensive line, the running game help him out a lot. Because the Colts want to open up their offense more. The last two years, they've really been very limited in explosive plays with Rivers and Brissett. With Andrew Luck under center in 2018, Jake, I think they were top five in explosive plays. We saw a little bit last year at some point with Rivers, but not as much as I think they want to. The new offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, is from the CFL. He wants to incorporate more of a vertical concept. Wentz has the arm strength to do that. He has the mobility as well. I think this play-action passing game, too, could be deadly with John Taylor behind Carson Wentz. You add in also some speedy playmakers on the outside, Paris Campbell, T.Y. Hilton. Michael Pittman Jr. is a reliable inside and out threat as well. I think this Colts team has the makings of looking very similar to what they had at Andrew Luck in 2018. Not on the same level, but could come, I'd say, a tier or two below that, which is probably still an above-average offense in the NFL. Very bullish. I think you are in Carson Wentz, at least compared to my personal feeling. I am still skeptical. He was rough in 2020, but there are a lot of things that could be attributed to, and you could certainly very easily make an argument that he's got a much better supporting cast and potentially a better fit with the coaching staff reuniting with Frank Reich in Indianapolis. And you mentioned the culture as well, and sometimes that is understated by the average NFL fan. Talking about the skill players around him before we talk about this offensive line, the running back room seems to be very deep to me. Jonathan Taylor being the bell cow, Naheem Hines, an excellent third down back, and Marlon Mack is third on the depth chart at this point after he's had some productive years in the NFL. And you mentioned Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman Jr., T.Y. Hilton, the top three wide receivers. Where are the big plays coming from? from these guys if you had to pick the top two explosive play threats out of this group Paris Campbell has been dealing with injuries obviously has a great deal of speed Jonathan Taylor has the skill set to break off a big run but is still a running back and T.Y. Hilton getting up there in age so what's your perspective on where the explosion is coming from in this offense I would say, especially, I think number one is Jonathan Taylor. I know nowadays in the modern NFL, a running back is not what you hope to be, like your superstar bell cow. I know Tennessee with Derrick Henry might be the exception, but they also just added Julio Jones via trade. So they're adding more explosive juice to their offense in the passing game. But Jonathan Taylor is their bell cow of the offense. We saw in the second half of last year, he was second in the NFL behind Derrick Henry and rushing yards over the last eight weeks of the season. Did very well in their wild card game as well against Buffalo. I think Taylor just had to have a little bit of an adjustment period to the NFL speed, the NFL system. He was in a zone blocking scheme compared to what we saw in Wisconsin, more of a man-on-man, just bully football that we saw from his college career. But once he got the hang of it in the second half of the season, he looked like a superstar. Like on the on the tier of like a Saquon Barkley when he's healthy, or an Ezekiel Elliott, or maybe just right below a Derrick Henry. He's he's very young too. I mean, the trail and tires is not that much for Taylor. He had a heavy workload in college, but he takes care of his body well. He's one of those physical specimens. I mean, he's 226 pounds, ran a 4-3-9-40 on Lucas Oil's turf as well. I mean, that's a huge mismatch for opposing teams. And you add in now a quarterback in Carson Wentz who can kind of make the defense second-guess themselves a little bit with um, some explosive shots down the field, maybe a little less pressure in the box on Jonathan Taylor as well. So that should open up the running game. And also, I'd say from the passing game, Jake, I'd lean more towards Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr., I think this is the year where I think Pittman takes over the baton as number one wide receiver from T.Y. Hilton. Paris Campbell, if he does stay healthy as well, 
has that explosive juice that this team has been missing down the seam as a vertical threat and as a just a yak monster as well. Pittman also showed that throughout his rookie year as well in a limited role. And we know Carson Wentz loves big bodies as well. Alshon Jeffrey in 2017 with Frank Reich had over 120 targets in 16 games. Add in the 17th game this year, I think Pittman could easily exceed 100-plus targets this year. Campbell probably around 70 to 80. I think we've seen the best of T. Hill at this point. I think he's more so as a possession guy who gets you the easy first down. Maybe a couple times here and there throughout the year, he'll get you a deep shot. But at age 31, he, I think the prime years are gone with T.Y. Hill, and then this is a year where we see Pittman or Campbell take up a ton from him. But I probably it's a lot of gambling and a lot of all-in on young guys. Obviously, Taylor and Pittman were rookies this past season. Campbell's battle injuries is in his third year. You're putting a lot of pressure on young guys there, but I think that's how Chris Bauer wants it. I think he wants these young guys to step up, and if that does happen this year, this Colts offense could actually be really good. Perhaps a little bit more of a veteran presence outside of the skill positions, although the tight ends are technically skill positions. Mo Ali Cox and Jack Doyle have both been doing it for a long time at a pretty high level in the NFL. Really good fits, I think, with the style of offense you're talking about, uh, especially, I think, skilled as run blockers and complete as reliable pass catchers as well. Braden Smith at right tackle, one of the best to do it in the NFL. Quentin Nelson, perhaps the best to do it at left guard. Are there any holes on this offensive line that you're concerned about? Eric Fisher coming off that Achilles, perhaps? Yeah, I would probably say Fisher's the biggest question. If not, I would say Mark Lewinsky at right guard. But honestly, this past year, Mark Lewinsky took a leap in his performance. He was honestly really consistent on the right side. The year prior in 2019, he was kind of bullied a little bit inside by some good interior guys. But he held very well this past year. So I'm not really worried at all about the right side. Eric Fisher's Achilles is more so the concern there. Obviously, tearing his Achilles in late January in the AC title game, you have to wonder how long the timetable is going to be. The Colts have said, though, that he's on track for a full recovery probably around late August early September. I don't know if they're going to put on the pup list or not. That might be the safer bet just to make sure he's fully healthy, but th- the Colts are very high on Eric Fisher. They think he's on Anthony Costanzo's level. Costanzo, of course, retired this past year after 10 seasons in the NFL. It's a very underrated, underappreciated left tackle. Never really had any issues throughout his career as protecting the blind side for the Colts, but I think Fisher, they're not really that worried about. He's a great run blocker. He's an above-average pass protector as well. And playing next to Quentin Nelson too, Jake. I mean, whoever you put next to Quentin Nelson is going to look a lot better. Three-time first-team All-Pro. I don't really see many holes on this offensive line. You have a All-Pro type of guy in Ryan Kelly. I think a future All-Pro right tackle in Brian Smith, and potentially a four-time first-team All-Pro after this next season in Quentin Nelson left guard. This offensive line has the potential to be really good this year, and as we've seen the last couple of years, they are the linchpin to the success of this offense. Some questions, certainly, for how those young skill guys will hold up, but a very bullish offensive mindset here from Evan Sidery, the Locked On Colts host. We'll get to the defense, where the Colts seem to be spending most of their resources lately and talk about how that side of the ball is shaping up coming up next. Built Bar has so many great flavors that if you're in the market for a protein bar and you haven't tried it yet, I'm not really sure... What you're waiting for at this point, from the cherry barcian, the raspberry, to the cookies and cream, double chocolate, there is a flavor that you will love. And if you're not sure which one it will be because they all sound great, you can get a mix box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors of Built Bars. Not only do they taste great, and we talk about it all the time, they also have great 
nutritional value. The breakdown is perfect. They got 17 to 18 grams of protein and just 130 to 180 calories. Great proportion there. Low sugar. So go check out the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team today at Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Coming off of a segment in which Evan was very optimistic for this Colts offense, and I've got to admit a little bit more optimistic than I am, although I can see where you're coming from with a lot of these guys. A lot rests on the shoulders of Carson Wentz and how he's going to bounce back. And, well, he does have a defense that will be trying to make his job a little bit easier. DeForest Buckner obviously will continue to be a big part of that with that big acquisition the Colts made to add a superstar to their defensive line. They spend their first round pick this year on an edge rusher in Quiddy Pay. They double dip coming back in the second round with Deo Odeyingbo. Darius Leonard, uh, obviously a, a major leader at that second level of linebacker, some gems in the secondary as well. Let's start big picture. What's the overall feel for the Colts defense? What's the overall expectation from the Colts this year? Yeah, I think honestly, the expectations for Indy in 2021 with their defense are super high, even more so than what I mentioned last time with their offense, because they were ranked 10th in the NFL last year in defense. They had a hot start, kind of cooled off a little bit in the second half, but they maintained their top 10 consistency throughout the season. And the one thing that they really missed throughout the entire 2020 season, Jake, was pass rush, especially from the edge rushers. Justin Houston, who's still unsigned, really fell off a cliff And after the first month of the season. He had five sacks in the, in the Colts' first five games. And then from there, I believe he had three over the final, final stretch of the season. Just really wasn't there consistently for the Colts. Kamoko Ture has been injured. Ben Banigou has quite frankly been a bust for them in his first couple of years in the NFL. Hasn't what was a healthy scratch, I believe, for over half the season last last year as well. Taekwon Lewis has been inconsistent too. The Colts really doubled down and made sure like we need to go out and add an edge rusher, a, a potential star edge rusher to pair it to Forrest Buckner. That's what they did drafting Quiddy Pay. And if you listen to the Locked On Colts podcast throughout the pre-draft process, I was over the moon, hoping that Quiddy Pay would follow them at 21. I think he's a perfect fit in this Colts 4-3 scheme. to just get pen his ears back, let him go to the quarterback at Michigan. He was kind of multitasking on the fly, doing a lot of things for them. He's a great run blocker, but putting him alongside DeForest Buckner on the same side of the defensive line, I think this guy has legit D-Roy potential in 2021. He could be an 8-9 to nine sack guy for the Colts this year next to Buckner. You add in the linebackers, Bobby Okariki is replacing Anthony Walker full-time. Okariki with his length and his speed, I think, is an upgrade over Walker there. Darius Leonard speaks for himself there as your middle linebacker, too. And like you mentioned uh, earlier, Jake, with the um, uncut gem, so to say, at in the secondary with Julian Blackman, who the Colts have said has all pro potential. He had a very good rookie season for them. Kari Willis is very consistent for them as well, entering into year three. I think the biggest question for the Colts on defense is your second boundary cornerback, whether it be Rocky Sen, who's really struggling in his first couple of years, or maybe guys like Marvell Tell or TJ Carey, who kind of took Rock's role in the last part of last season. But I, I think outside of that spot, you have Kenny Moore at nickel, Xavier Rhodes, who had a very big resurging year in the cold zone heavy scheme this past year as well. I think the only question there is your second boundary corner spot, but this front seven, I think, is very, very good. You had Quiddy Pay, DeForest Buckner, and Grover Stewart. Tyquan Lewis takes the role of Danico Autry, who left this past year. 
it's surprising. I actually did the numbers here, Jake, but Taekwon Lewis, if you add his snaps over the similar numbers of Danico Autry, if you played a full season as a starter, almost identical numbers. So the Colts are betting on Taekwon Lewis to be a six to seven sack guy in that Autry role. Grover Stewart's very underrated as well as a nose tackle. This front four, and then you add an Okariki and Leonard, is a very solid front six and front seven. And Kenny Morris is like a pseudo linebacker to them as well. He blitzes a lot. They do a lot of fun things with Kenny Morris. So I think this Colts defense, if Quiddy Pay hits the ground running, can be a top six, top seven defense this year. If Pay even exceeds those levels, I think they could be a top five defense. The, the one thing they missed was a consistent edge rusher, and Quiddy Pay provides that for the next five to ten years. At least you you hope so, right? You never really know with rookies coming into the NFL, but by some seem to be the top available pass rusher in the 2021 draft. The last question I think I have about this defense, because I think the linebackers, well, at least Darius Leonard is pretty well known. Bobby Okariki is a guy that I know the Colts front office was extremely happy to have drafted a couple of years ago. Getting into a full-time role makes a lot of sense for his career trajectory. But last year, it was really DeForest Buckner. You've talked about the lack of an edge rush. Is there any concern about depth along the defensive line? If a couple of guys go down, do things sort of fall apart? Is there a little bit of a house of cards going on there? Or are you feeling pretty confident that if they if they do require some snaps from some of the guys a little bit lower on the depth chart, they'll be able to get enough production out of those guys? Yeah, that's the big question. Honestly, I'm not too worried about edge. They have a lot of young guys there, but that's just like I mentioned in the first segment. That's what Chris Bowers want to do is just have young guys thrown into the fire and see what happens. So if Quiddy Pay has, has a slow development, you have Kamoko Ture behind him. You have Ben Banigou if need be, and Taekwon Lewis will be starting opposite strong side replacing Danico Autry. But really, DeForest Buckner, Jake, is the big, big fish here. If he does miss any time, which we saw last season, he was out due to COVID-19 protocols. I think it was the second matchup against Tennessee where Derrick Henry just ran absolutely wild on them at Lucas Oil Stadium. They lost by 20-plus points in that game as well. Buckner is the entire key to this defense. I know Darius Leonard is the heart and soul of this team, but Buckner far and away is the back, the, the backbone to this defense succeeding. I know Chris Bowder said multiple times that three technique drives this defense. In his first year at the Colts, Buckner set the record over Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis for the most QB hits in the season. And as an interior rusher, that's just really insane and special to me that you can have Buckner just step in and be that superstar type of guy in the middle of the defense on the front four. If Buckner does miss any time, this team is in trouble. I don't think anyone can reach his level backing him up. There's not really a lot of proven guys behind him as well. So if Buckner misses time, they're in trouble. But if he does stay healthy, I think this defense could be a top five unit. A lot hinging on Carson Wentz's bounce back and DeForest Buckner's consistency and health this year for the Indianapolis Colts. Last question for you overall, Evan, who are the under heralded unknown guys from the Colts that national football fans who maybe don't follow the Colts every day should prepare to maybe know a little bit more as household names? Yeah, that's a really good question. Cause honestly, there's a lot of guys that fly under the radar for the Colts. The first one I'll start off with is Julian Blackman, the safety out of Utah. He was a third round pick this past season. Right away, when Malik Hooker tore his ACL in week one, there was, or excuse me, tore his Achilles in week one, where they thought there might be an adjustment period for Julian Blackman after he tore his ACL in, in the final game of his college career. But that was not the case. He was a ball hawk, very hard-hitting safety. He was in the running throughout the year until it kind of tapered off in the last six weeks for Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's a special, special player at safety. Him and Curry Willis are a very special duo. You can even throw Curry Willis in that mix as well. That's a really great young secondary duo 
in the back end with Willis and Blackman. I would not be shocked at all if Blackman is a pro bowler this next season. The Colts just aren't absolutely in love with him as a prospect. Molly Cox at tight end, I think, takes the role from Jack Doyle this year as their tight end one. He had a very strong start to last season. I think he had three touchdowns in the, in the Colts' first four games. But for some reason, I don't know why, but Phillip Rivers kind of went away from Molly Cox in the last three quarters of the season. Not really involved much in the offense after that, but he is a guy who is hard to take down in the middle of the field. Not a speed demon, so to say, but he's just very reliable, almost like a hyper, uh, hyper souped up version of Jack Doyle in the exact same role where I think Molly Cox long-term is the Colts need Jack Doyle. And then Kylan Granson is a rookie at tight end. He could probably play that, 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 that Z role or that Y role at tight end as your move tight end. He might not be a big guy in year one, but long-term he does make a lot of sense. And then outside of that, I think Michael Pittman Jr., I'm very bullish on this year. I think he's a 100-plus target guy, potentially a 7-8 touchdown guy as well. I, I love Pittman coming out of college of USC. He does all the dirty work. He can beat you deep. He can beat you in the middle of the field as well. I think this is the year where Pittman takes the baton from T.Y. Hilton as the Colts wide receiver one. There's so many young guys, honestly, on this team, Jake, that could fit this criteria. And that's the reason why the Colts built the roster this way, because they all want to gel together and hit their primes together. It's going to be very expensive because they're going to have an extension come for Braden Smith and Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson, potentially reset the market for all three of those positions. So it's going to be very expensive, but this is, I think, how the Colts wanted to build this whole time under GM Chris Ballard. The hope certainly rides that Carson Wentz can conduct a group of talented young players and take the Colts back to where they want to be, which of course involves a return to the playoffs. So there you go. If you weren't paying attention to the Indianapolis Colts because you're a fan of some team in the NFC or maybe just aren't paying enough attention to the AFC South, Perhaps Evan has given you some reason to go after some guys, maybe Mo Ali Cox at the tail end of your fantasy draft, or just generally be a little bit more bullish on the Colts than you may have been before. Evan, thanks so much for your time. You can find him at Locked On Colts, your daily source for all things Colts. Tomorrow, Chris and Q are up with a preview of the Buffalo Bills season. Next week on Thursday, Ryan and I are back with Patricia from Locked On Giants to take a look at the New York Giants outlook for the 2021 season. Until next Thursday, thanks for listening and have a good one.